basic instructions before leaving earth. This is Bible Radio, the internet radio ministry of Calvary Chapel St. Paul in Minnesota. And this is Sunday Morning Live. Calvary Chapel St. Paul is a non-denominational church dedicated to the teaching and living out of God's Word. And now, Sunday Morning Live. They're going to be in Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. Hey, uh, go to our website, look at the church calendar. That's your bulletin if you want to know what's going on. So there, there's your information. Uh, or just send around, talk to somebody or find out. Look at the back information table. We're good to go. Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 15 and let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. And I just ask God that um, God, they just... Thank you for your anointing upon today for our children's ministry to worship now the word. Uh, and I just thank you for everyone in my class this morning. So, Lord, I ask that we leave here today more on fire, more convicted, more committed, more submitted, more in love with you than when we came here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 15. And we're going to pick it up literally, actually, in, in verse 25 of, of, of chapter 14. And when they had preached the word in Pergia, they went down into Attilia and thence sailed to Antioch. And from uh, whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they had fulfilled. Go with me back to chapter 13. Go back with me to chapter 13. And we see here... Verse one of Acts chapter thirteen. Now, when uh, there were uh, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas uh, and um, and Simeon, that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene, uh, tells us here uh, in verse it says brought up with there in the council of verse two and as they ministered verse two of Acts chapter thirteen to the Lord. What is that? Well, we did that this morning. We started off ministering to the Lord. So worship in song and coming as a congregation is not mood music. It's not to get us in the spirit. You should already have the spirit of God in you. And that's why we come. And, and we're ministering to the Lord. The words are to you, Jesus. And we're ministering to him. And so here, as they ministered to the Lord, I don't know if that was actually if they were getting together and singing, if they had, I mean, obviously they don't have technology like we had. Uh, but they're ministering to the Lord. They're praying, they're fasting, we know. We see that from Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, uh, of seeking the Lord. And, and now words of knowledge and wisdom and prophecy are happening because the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon the believers. That's the Holy Spirit that's subsequent to salvation. When you receive the, uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit in you is the sign and the seal of your salvation. But now the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what did he say in Acts chapter 1, 8? And when I say he, I mean Jesus. He says, wait in Jerusalem and wait for the power. He's already breathed on them. They've already received salvation. He's already back in John chapter 20. He says, now receive my spirit. Uh, and, and you're already born again when you, as the Bible tells us in, in Romans chapter 10, uh, verse 9 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you too shall be saved. You will have eternal life. You'll be saved from what? Hell, damnation. Forever, eternally separated from God in his presence. The knowledge of him will be there in your, in your mind. But 
you will be forever separated from the presence of God. And that's what makes hell, hell, hellish. And so here, uh, they says, separate, it says, and they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein I have called them. So from Acts chapter 13 all the way into chapter 15 here, it took over two years to accomplish. And this is, this is the first thing that happened to him. I mean, it's the church. Now the Gentile church is sending out uh, believers to go plant other churches, and it is the church that is sending out people. That's why we have a fourfold philosophy of ministry here is to reach, teach, mend, and send, not go away, send away, but that we would commission you as if we would see in Acts chapter 13 that you're ministering to the Lord and the Holy Ghost is the one who's saying separate for us Barnabas and Saul for the work of the ministry. And you want that. You want... Um, I don't ever want to be left to my own devices. I, I, I spent the first 19 years of my life figuring things out, getting my hustle going, uh, doing all these things. And then when, then when I got saved, when I confessed with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believed in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And you have to understand, I, I didn't grow up in a denomination. I grew up in a cult, I, 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 a metaphysical cult. In other words, you were your own God. So when I came to the realization that there was a God and I wasn't him, I get it here in the book of Acts because that's who they're going to. Barnabas and Saul were not going to the, the religious elite. We're going to the people who had an affinity for God. They went to people who believed that they were their own gods or they believed in many gods and they just made up life as they went along and as they saw fit. Pretty much is the same in the world today, no matter where you go. And they're going with many convincing proofs. Now remember, for the first 12 chapters as we've gone through the book of Acts, the first 12 chapters, there wasn't a whole lot of scripture being quoted. Because for the first 12 chapters, uh, after the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from Acts chapter 1 on, we see Peter, and who was it? It was the, it was the Jewish believers. They hadn't really figured out all means, and not until chapter 10. And Peter comes back and says in chapters 11 and 12, it wasn't me. These guys were with me. The Holy Ghost came upon them that we know they're saved. And then the church had a revelation. Oh, all means all. All doesn't mean only to a select few to the Jewish people. And remember, before Christ came, before the Messiah came, there was just, there was just Gentile, which is non-Jewish. There was Jew and Gentile. That's how the world was divided up. That's how God shows us here in his word. And then after the Messiah came and completed everything, now the world's just divided up into two classes of people, believers and non-believers. Forget where, what nation they're from, what race they're from, what ethnicity they're from. It's believers, non-believers. And so they're going out and planting churches. And again, we see back here that, that in verse 25 of Acts chapter 14, and they were... And when they preached the word in Pergia and were sent into Attilia and there again. And again, when they went back, they didn't take the easiest route back to get back to Antioch. And where they at first in Acts chapter 13 had been recommended to the grace of God for the work for which they fulfilled. And when they were come and gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles and there they abode long time uh, with the disciples. There, so they, the church sent them out. There's unfortunately a lot of para-church organizations, para-alongside organizations, 
because I would say the church maybe in a whole, maybe not fulfilling in sending missions out and doing those things. But here, it's not in place of. You know, we have a simple thing that we do at Sojourner's Cafe. It's a, it's a Christian coffee house. That's, our, that's the place we own. We can rent anywhere for church, right? <laughs> but we own a coffee house just to let you know where our priorities are. And, and there's people from Christians. They say they're Christians. And we just, do a, we just do a couple of, just two things they need to do there. The, the, the very base, basic, as you see in, in Hebrews chapters 5 and 6, the very basic elementary things. We just need agreed upon things. One is fill out a servant inquiry. You might call it a job application because no one's paid there. And, they're, and, they're, and many of you fill these out, but there's people that they, they come there and they're like, I want to serve here. I want to do this or I want to come here. and I want to volunteer. I'm like, great. And they get to the line, what church do you attend? How long you been there? And, and give, us some, give us two character references, whether the pastor or ministry leader or something like that. And that... that just stops people cold and they go, well, I, 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 don't, I don't go to church. Okay, then why do you want to volunteer here? Or we call it serving. Why do you want to volunteer here? Went, well, because I want to do good. I want to do these things. And we've led some people to the Lord. And they come with various other denominational things. And the other thing that we tell them to do is fill out this servant inquiry and then do these eight Bible studies. And, and they're just, they, they, those eight Bibles, you can see them online, you can see them at our coffee house, you can see them on our, our church website here. They take about 15 minutes a piece to do, all right? Longer if you've never read the Bible. That's actually the first Bible study to tell you what the big numbers are, the little numbers are, uh, Old Testament, New Testament. And some people, they get through that and they get saved during those things. But many a times when it gets to, they get to that point, we're like, well, I don't need to go to church. Okay, you don't need to go to church to go to heaven, but... Do you understand everything we're reading here in the book of Acts? It is the church, not groups of peoples and friends and donors who who sent them out. It's the church. Ministry comes out of the church. And so they're returning to the church. If church, as I said last week, if church is not to be a vital part of our relationship with God, in other words, here on earth, If it's not, then why is there so much emphasis in the book of Acts and throughout the rest of the New Testament about church and what church leaders and and like requirements for church leadership and and establishing of of pastors and elders and deacons and and servants? Why is there so much in the New Testament if church is not a vital part of being a Christian? Show me. And so many people go, well, I don't go to church. I don't do this. And I go, well, we need you to go to church. And then the other thing that we do with the servant inquiry is, is that if someone, we ask them as we go through that, we're just that servant inquiry is, well, what ministries are you already serving in your church? And they're like, oh, uh, well, nothing. Oh, well, here's what you need to do. Go and talk to your pastor or the ministry leaders and get involved in your church. Because we don't want to be like parachurch organizations because we're not a parachurch organization. We keep it on the low, low that Calvary Chapel St. Paul owns Sojourner's Cafe. And so you need to first go be a servant in your church. In other words, that's what parachurch organizations do. People who go to church for some soulish reason, whatever, but then they want to do great things for God, so they think they need to go to these missions organizations or these evangelism things. They need to get where they have no contact, no accountability, they're just free. You can show up with your money. You can show up with all these things and do their programs. And you have no accountability. You have no fellowship. You have nothing lasting, lifelong lasting. And so 
I go, go there because we don't want to be known. Now, if your church, and this is what I've been able to do with other churches, if your church wants to use Sojourner's Cafe as part of their outreach, then yeah, they're sending you here to do that because we'll, we've opened up our door to many other churches when they've sent people there to serve so they can do outreach. That's just their thing. We had years ago, we had a group that uh, from their church, they had a new believers class and it was up the street. And instead of doing it there, they said, hey, can we use the coffee house on Sunday? Sure, we trained them, hooked them all up. This guy was a, a leader in the church and trusted him with the key. Well, first of all, we used to open up for him and lock up for them. And then after months would go on, uh, they, we gave him a key. And, and because what they wanted to do was not only after their new believers meeting, and so they would keep the coffee house open from about 10 a.m., from about 11 a.m. till about 3 p.m. on Sundays. And they used that for their new believers class, and they used it as part of their outreach. It lasted about seven, eight months. And they said, great, you lead people to Christ. So we've had those things. It hasn't happened all the time, but it was, it was, a, it was, a, one, it was a one-off so far. And so here, what it comes down to is, is, are you serving in your church? So we don't have people coming from other churches that don't serve in the other church. Because I believe the Bible, that you first should be ministering and be sent from your own church. That's what an apostolic ministry is. Apostle means sent one. Now, the apostles of Jesus Christ were directly sent by Jesus Christ. But I was sent by the apostles of Calvary Chapel Oceanside, California, to come back to the, to the Midwest. I stayed when I got out of the Marine Corps. I stayed there and was raised up in ministry there and then knew I was going to come back to Minnesota and start church with my best friend who's on the other side of town, Mike Fernandez at Calvary Chapel Twin Cities. It was always the plan. Didn't know when. But this was it. And so here, and I didn't want to go until we had an Acts chapter 13 where we were spending time and ministering the Lord and it was, listen, all the, the my pastor and, and the elders and the elders' wives, we, we had to spend six months not convincing them, <laughs> but they're like, why do you want to leave? Because I started with Calvary Chapel Oceanside when it was just a Bible study in a home with like 15 people. And now it's over 1,000. I'm serving on staff as an assisting pastor. I've been youth minister, deacon. I've been ushers. I've been doing everything. I just did every, every job in the church you could think of, but senior pastor. And then we had to tell them, well, if you have a vision, then you have a, you know, you have a burden, you have a vision, and, and that's what you can see online. You can go online and still see to this day the visions and goals of Calvary Chapel, St. Paul. We haven't deterred from that. And it was finally after just short of six months they're like, yeah, you're supposed to go. We don't like it, but you're supposed to go. And then we tried selling our house. And then I finally had to get up on a Sunday morning, and I said, and, you know, all three services, 1,000 people, and said, how many people are here are praying for the sale of our house? And everyone's raising their hand. Okay, now, how many people are praying that the house actually sells so we can move? Less than half raised their hand. I said, okay, so great. You are praying for the sale of our house. We need you who are praying against that. We're leaving. I said, they're going to foreclose on that. Listen, I, and we got to the point. I said, look, I got no money. They're going to foreclose on the house. We need it to sell. So stop doing that. I'm leaving. I'll toss the keys. I'll return it to the bank, whatever. But we're leaving. And then shortly after that, the house sold. I said, thank you to the church. All right. So yes, that's why I qualify it. Who's praying for the sale of our house? Who's praying for that actually sells? 
And so that's it, the, the ministering of the Lord and do things and you're sent out. Now they come back. And, and that was my joy every year going back to the pastor's conference in California and, and, and maybe, maybe doing a Sunday service or coming back and reporting to the church. It says here's, they were recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, not their donors, not their friends, not their group of people, the church. Whosoever was in the church there at Antioch got together and they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how they had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles and they abode there a long time. Now, chapter 15. And, a certain, uh, and certain men which came down from Ju- uh, Judea taught that brethren... And said, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. They're going to show up with their pie charts and their graphs. These are the Jewish believers. And now some thir- this is going to be some 13 years later. And they're, they're preaching the gospel, doing these things. But yet there's just some that get, they just get this thought. They get this bad theology. They get this thinking And now they believe they're empowered to go tell others. So that means we've already seen in chapters 10, 11, and 12, they're saved. These Gentiles are saved at Cornelius' house. They said, not not only so, that they they were saved by the preaching of the word, and then we watched the Holy Ghost come upon them subsequently. I mean, they got saved that day, and the Holy Ghost came upon them just as we experienced there on the day of Pentecost, there in Jerusalem, says we couldn't deny this. And it didn't say that they were, it said the Holy Ghost came upon them. It didn't say they were speaking in his tongue. Shandala, she's a coming on a Honda. It didn't say they were being slain in the spirit and foaming at the mouth or doing all these things or swinging from chandeliers. they actually inventing chandeliers so they could swing from chandeliers to prove their Pentecostal life. No, none of those things. They just evidenced the grace of God. And they said, this, this, is, the, this is the same. And it's the way that I tell you when you meet another believer, you might not even know their name yet. Might be in a, it usually happens in an elevator because that's the place that makes Kimberly the most uncomfortable when I do this. But, and I'll just turn to someone and I go, you're a believer, aren't you? I don't say Christian because everyone in Minnesota is a Christian, right? I say, are you a believer? And they go, yes, I am. says, couldn't you tell? And they're like, yeah. There was just something. We said, hey, isn't it great that Jesus Christ, and there's other people in the, in the elevator and they're like, wow. I, I, so much so, again, years ago, I took a, a, a guy with me, a fellow pilot for this like 20 some years ago. And uh, I had to go back to the East Coast to do some meetings and do some fill in the pulpit for another pastor. And then I, I had a couple of meetings with some people that were going on, were, another pastor church were going on an Israel tour with us. And he had about 10 or 12 people. And I said, well, I'm heading out that way. So I got a plane for my flight club. I'm a private pilot, took another pilot with me, shared the duties. And, and I just said, well, hey, I'm gonna, who wants to go with me? You wanna go with me? Wanna go with? And I mean, so much so they wanted to fly so much they were gonna put up with me saying, listen, we're gonna go to people's, we're gonna go to church, we're gonna do this. I don't know where they're putting us up. They might put us up in a hotel. We might be sleeping on someone's couch. But we're going. So I'm barely 40 years old. So this is 20 years ago. So I'm in my 40s and, and, and this guy wanted to fly so much and we were already friends. He goes, I'll do it. So we're gonna be gone for about four or five days. Gonna go all the way up to New Jersey. 
We're going to land there, get in a car, bang a left, and up the road and get off a highway, whatever exit. That's how you know you're from Jersey, what exit you're from. And we're going to go there. And landed in uh, Old Bridge, filled in for Lloyd Pulia on a, on a Wednesday night and, and preached there. And, and this guy's blown away because there's like 3,000 people at a service on a Wednesday night. And he's like, I thought we were just going to a tiny little church. I said church. I don't know what your impression was because I just thought we were going to like a little church. I said, no. And then we ended up going to some little churches. He goes, well, that's kind of what I thought we were going to do. I said church. I, I don't know what your impression was. And then uh, next day, flying and going to the other small churches. And then this one brother picks us up from the, the little airport that I land at. And, and we just start talking. I, I've, never, I've never met this guy before. We've only met online. We've, uh, we've talked on the phone. Uh, it, it was still back in the days. Like, eh, so there was no video calling. All right? Steve Jobs hasn't invented the iPhone yet, which we all know we need now. We didn't know we needed it before then. And... There's all this technology, and so we're just talking on landlines, and, and, and he picks us up, oh, this is great to see you, and we go, and we go to his house, and it's really humid there, and, and, and he says, well, you guys are going to sleep down here in the, in, the, in the basement, it's the coolest part. Now, in the East Coast, and you guys know it out here, the basement, that's the coolest place in the house when it's humid. You go there, so they're giving us the best spot, and then he says, but he's got a little in-ground pool, and he says, hey, you guys, said, yeah, so we're talking about... 20, 30 minutes from the airport to drive, and we're just fellowship and having a great time. My guy's sitting in the back, and we go change and get in this pool, and he goes, I'll bring you guys some lemonade and some tea. And my friend looks at me, he goes, wow, how long have you guys known each other? And I was like, it's my first time meeting him. It's what? It's my first time meeting him. He goes, the way you guys are together, it's like you've known each other your whole lives. You, you guys act like you're, like you're almost related, like your family, like your brothers, like, you know, just, it's just, and I go, oh, I said, that's the Holy Ghost. See, that's the spirit that's in me, and the same spirit's in him, and that's why you, you, you're witness. He goes, come on, man. So then my friend comes out, and he goes, hey, how long have you known Chick? And he goes, it's the first time ever meeting him. He put a thing out on the email saying, hey, what church wants to go with us? Is there any small churches that want to join us? We got room for about 10 or 12, and we took them up on the offer, and this is our first time after nine months of corresponding back and forth, and it's my first time meeting. It's like, knock it off. Knock it off. You guys, no, this is a joke. You guys look like you're, like you're tight. And I go, no. I said, I can tell you that we don't know each other, and and if it wasn't for the Holy Ghost, we wouldn't even be hanging out together. He goes, why? Well, I'm a former criminal, and he's a high school soccer coach. There is no way I would have been around a soccer coach. And he looks at me and he goes, it's called football. Don't even get me going. Do you understand? There, there's no reason the two of us, all right, would be hanging out together, all right? And he's like, but... And so he was just blown away. He remained silent for the next few days as we're flying from place to place and come back. And I could just see the wheels going. You see, that's the Holy Ghost. And they're getting together. They're fulfilling the commission that God's given them. And, when, and, and certain men come. And there's just something. If you know the truth, and this is what's going to happen in chapter 15. If you know the truth of the word of God, you're going to be able to detect a lie. You're going to be able to detect something that's just off. 
because the Spirit's not bearing witness with this. And there's going to be people who are going to come and who are going to, we've had groups, come, we've had people come through here handing out flyers saying, you know what, this, you're really not pronouncing it. His name's not Jesus. It's, it's you know, Joshua or Hosea or it's Yeshua. You can't be saying Jesus. You're, not, you're, you're mispronouncing his, God's name, so he's not going to answer you. And then, and then if you ever, met, you ever meet Ed, who we call the bubble-wrapped brick, a little of the bubble wrap came off the corner of that brick that day, and he's like, no, he's just, get out of here. We call him uh, Red Ed, you know, when he gets that way. He just, he's like, no, don't, don't do that. People come and they have all their quirky little things. If someone's got to come to you with pie charts and graphs and they got to sit there and something, and he's going, mm, that just didn't sound right. So they're coming and they're, and they're saying that you must keep Moses. Well, Paul's going to go through this with them. Some would say in, in, in Acts chapter 15, this is the first council. There's no word council there. But there's some leadership. They're coming from, they're coming from Judea. They're coming from Jerusalem. And, and, and it gets impressive when people show up from Jerusalem. Hey, you're from Jerusalem. That's where the, the mother church is. You're from there. What's it like? Well, look, this is what we do there. Oh, we should do that because we want to we wanna be like that. And, and they start presenting this. So verse two, when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other men should go up to Jerusalem with the apostles, unto the apostles and the elders about this question. A couple of questions. Are Christians supposed to be circumcised and keep the law? Those are the two questions. Are we supposed to be circumcising it? But they've already, listen, they've already been sent out. Gentiles have been getting saved. Churches are being planted. Uh, in chapter 14, pastors and elders and deacons uh, over that course of two years were in charge of these churches. And, and we're seeing for the first 12 chapters, not a whole lot of scriptures being quoted because it's the Jewish believers. They, already, they, kinda, they know the scripture. And from chapters 13 and on, we're going to see a lot of scripture quoted because they're going to go back to that. They're going to go back to the source. Let's just, and that's the thing. If you're going to take a note today, just go back to the source. If I was titling the message with anybody on the soundboard doing anything and any information, anyone who loads these messages up with the sound of my voice, it's just today's title of the message. It just came into my head. Back to the source. I don't know what the title will be, second service, but first service, it'll be going back to the source. Just go back to the source. They go, okay, great. I, I don't think what you guys are saying, I don't think this is coming from the apostles. It's the same thing I encourage my ministry leaders here and people in the church. No one can ever come up to you and say, chick said. Because if I'm going to say something to you, I'm going to say it to you. You know, you can say, well, as Chick teaches us and stuff like that, you know, this is why I might have been doing something. But no one can ever come up to you and say, Chick said. I'll and I make that promise to you. If I want to say something to you, I'll say it to you. Be people, oh, Chick said. Oh, I got to go there. This is it. They're saying the apostle said. Now, listen, they've got to travel some, a great distance. It's going to be, you know, a week or two before they can get back there. But, but these guys, it, it wasn't that they just showed up one day. I started doing this, and then this whole thing was decided. They've been there for quite some time. And these who are coming who believe that you should know the way fully, and all they're trying to do is, because you see, they might be upset 
or envious that you get to eat a ham sandwich and they don't. There might be something in, your, in you as a Gentile believer that, that you're doing that, that, that goes against their tradition and their culture, and they're thinking, well, you know, and this is what they're going to say. Jesus came to us. He was a Jew, and, and, and he gave us all this, but Jesus said it's fulfilled. And so here, I said, well, let's, let, you're from the source? If someone ever comes to you and says, Chick said, by all means, do this. Say, well, let's go to Chick and find out. Chick, I'm standing here with, uh, you know, so-and-so, and they're saying, you said to do this and I should do that. I'm like, well, what have I always said? No one can come up to me and say, Chick said. I go, yeah, so I don't know what that person is doing. Uh, they should come back to me and let's get this because I've never, I, I, I just don't do that. And so here, well, let's go back. Let's go back to the source. In verse three, and being brought on to their way to the church, they passed through <laughs> Uh, Phoenicia and Samaria declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, all right, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. So they're not just going down to Jerusalem. Hey, on the way there, let's tell people about Jesus. Let's get out of these Gentiles saved. Oh, that's got to be irking the, the, what they're called. They're going to be called the Judaizers. They're going to come up with a name for them, the Judaizers, saying that you first must be circumcised, then you can become a Christian. And they're like, no, no, that's not the way it works here. And so now they're getting all these other people saved. Can you imagine them? Hey, I have been, there's a group out there that believes that you have to be baptized to be saved. I've been at some large, we haven't seen them around in the Twin Cities, or pretty much around the nation, large uh, crusades or outreach and the festivals and stuff. And outside, there's people out there with portable uh, uh, hot tubs to baptize people with signs up there. You're really not saved. You've got to come here and get baptized. And they're walking out like, uh, okay, uh, I really want to truly, you weren't given the whole gospel. You need to be baptized. And then there's another group out there with their tambourines and their streamers and their banners and falling down and foaming at the mouth. Uh, not really foaming at the mouth, except if they hit their head and they have a seizure, but that you're really not saved unless you are baptized in the spirit and Shandala, she's a coming on a Honda. In fact, there's people there to teach you how to speak in tongues right there to convince you. So you got to, so, okay, I got to baptize. And now you're baptized, you go over to this group. You're not really, until you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then the ones that say you can be baptized in the Holy Ghost before you're baptized, they, they're all warring with each other. What can, why? To what purpose, to what end to get you to think like me? Jesus said, my burden is easy, my yoke is light. What is the will of God? Just, just to follow me. And so being brought on the way, they're preaching the gospel, they're doing these things, people are getting saved. In verse four, and when they would come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and the elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. So they didn't report back into Jerusalem, they reported back to the church that sent them, the Gentile church, out of Antioch. That's their church. That's, that's Barnabas and Paul's church. That's where they're from. That's the one who sent them. Jerusalem didn't send them out to do these things. But you guys say you're from Jerusalem and you're using the, the Jerusalem card. Okay, let's go back here and let's... Uh, and we declared all that was said to them. But there rose up certain of, of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to be and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So now there's Pharisees who are getting saved, and they're in the church. 
and they're bringing that with them. I've, I've challenged you over the last few weeks. Are you, check out your own walk with the Lord, are you bringing things into Calvary Chapel St. Paul? Are you bringing things into other people's lives, maybe with good intentions, thinking this is going to help somebody? I've seen it. 42 years of being a Christian, I can't tell you how many times I've seen Christians celebrate the, the feasts of Israel, and they're great. But you can't keep them. There is no high priest. There is no temple. There is no sacrificing going on. It's all done. You can look at the prophetic. You can look at Jesus and all the seven feasts. You can see when the rapture is going to happen. You can see the end times. You can see all these represented in the feast. And you can, you can honor them. You can participate. And we like to do something here. We like to do Purim here. It's not Halloween, but we like to do Purim here. We like to celebrate Purim. And this last trip to Israel, we were in Israel during Purim. And when we got to wear costumes and hang out with people and celebrate with them, and you have to go back to the book of Esther on that one. And, and, and we like doing that. But we don't do that to make ourselves more Christian, more holy, more righteous, more close to God. We can, we can see those things, but many times people get into this, I'm going to do my Sabbath. I'm going to do from sundown sun, Friday to sundown Saturday. Well, my Sabbath is sundown Sunday to sundown Monday. But, uh, and I do that because God says to take a Sabbath because our bodies need rest. You can go and look at this. Uh, science catches up with the Bible. We exert so many uh, puffs of, of oxygen. We consume and the carbon dioxide, and we, we, we exhale a lot. And your body, you can go look this up online, it, has, it, it takes in and exerts so much. But within five to six days, your body is depleted of a certain amount of oxygen. You need a certain amount of oxygen to replenish your body. You need one day, 24 hours is all you need to have rest to where you exert less, you take in more oxygen and your body will be rejuvenated with that oxygen. For those of us who fly, you know there's this thing called an oximeter. In other words, we put our finger in this little pulse meter, and it tests to see if, if, if we have enough oxygen in our system. If we're flying too high, we don't have enough oxygen in our system. And then we start saying like, hey, let's fly, fly upside down. Look at me. I'm going to open the door. Uh, you know, because you're not thinking too clearly. It's and it's the reverse for those. I scuba dive if you go down too low. You get what's called nitrous and narcosis. You get narked out. And you're like, hey, look at me. I don't need oxygen. I am Aquaman. <gasps> you know, because the brain functions there. And there's a way to do that. And so here, science has caught up. So much so in the military, they know that. You need a minimum of 24 hours to get that cortisol. We know all the things about science now. Cortisol pumping through your body. That's the fight or flight uh, uh, chemical that, that God releases in you and that that's happens there. You, you need at least 24 hours of exerting less energy so you can take in more oxygen and get replenished. And it's only in a 24-hour period. Huh. Now, God made it a law. But God also worked out your bodies in, in such a way. I'll just give you the insider lingo. Sometimes you might not see a brother for a day or two and, and it'll go, hey, where were you? And they just text back, S-O-D. Sabbath on demand. God has worked it out. If you don't take a Sabbath, your body will shut down and you will take a Sabbath. Hopefully you're not flying a plane, driving a car, working heavy equipment. You just will shut down and, and it'll be more for more than 24 hours. And so here, 
I've seen this come through the body of Christ many a times. Someone got it in their mind to do the, the Ezekiel 4-1 bread, whatever it is, that cardboard tasting stuff because, you know, they, 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 you know, they did it from lentils. You know why they did it from lentils? They were poor. That's all they had. And they, this Ezekiel 4-10 or 11 bread, whatever it is, I've seen that come through and holy eating and righteousness under the Lord and all this stuff. Let's, let's do the Daniel diet and let's do all... Like it's somehow keeping you. Now, they're good for what they do, but they have nothing to do with your relationship with the Lord. I am, I'm not eating sugar right now or any starchy products because I'm trying to take another 60 pounds off that I put on the last five and a half years. I enjoyed putting every pound on. I just can't go back up to 400 pounds. So I got to get, and this, I pretty much got to keep it off now. I've noticed uh, just with less than a month, my, my joints aren't inflamed. I, now the pain that I feel is just really my bones and just how all the damage I've done to my body over the years. And now I, when I stand up around the kids, they, I go old. And now all the young ones, they start going, they get young. They bend over and stretch and do all this stuff. I'm like, enjoy it while it lasts. Listen. They're coming in the Judaizers. Are you bringing anything into Calvary Chapel, St. Paul? Are you bringing anything that you've done here? Why do you do those things and why do you do them in your walk with the Lord? You can say, hey, this is what I do. This is good advice. This is, this is what works for me. But it isn't a matter of spirituality. And so here, he tells them here that they're, they're walking, they're doing these things. And he says here in verse four, and when they were come unto Jerusalem, they received of the church... Of the church, again, I'm, I'm going to beat this donkey pretty hard, right? The church, the call and the ecclesias, not the group of people, not, not getting together a group of loosely people who kind of know the Lord, they're donors or whatever, the church. The church is not a building, the church is the people. And so you get the church and of the apostles and the elders and they declared all these things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees. So now these Pharisees have come. They're completed Jews. But yet now they're like, well, all these things that we've done, these, these are really good. Granted, if you want to eat that diet and do those things, that's, that's fine for dietary things. You want to do that. But it's, it doesn't mean that you're a Christian or not Christian. And he commanded all that to keep the law of Moses. That's their thing. That's all they know. And that's the unfortunate thing. Listen, take this note down. Write it in your Bibles. When you come up against something you don't know, you always fall back on what you do know. This is all they know. And it, it's hard for them. They're like, you mean God had this whole thing going up to this point and then the fulfillment of the Messiah and now we don't have to do this? To No, because we're going to see the writer of Hebrews tells us that it, the blood of bulls and goats, we're going to see that in Galatians in a few weeks when we start the book of Galatians on Thursday. It says, the blood of bulls and goats and of rams and doves and all these things. It doesn't take away the guilt and stain of sin. It just makes you more conscious of it. And you get to that point, well, I've done it all this way, and now you're saying that's over? No, that's, that, that has been fulfilled. Now you can actually do more in Christ. You see, Mosaic Judaism, Rabbinical Judaism, very limiting. Very limiting. Man-made instructions. But with Christ, you can do more. I'm doing more now as a believer than I've ever done as a non-believer. And the life that I'm experiencing, I'm talking the first week that I was a Christian, I experienced more life in that first week than I did the previous 19 years of my life, of now having a life. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up 
and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that at a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by the mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe, and God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. He's going all the way back to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. All the world was supposed to see the family of God through the, through the Jewish people and say, I, I, and there was a way to proselyze, there was a way to become into the Jewish faith. And put no difference, you want to underline that, no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? It didn't even work when we had the law. It didn't even work. We, we found loopholes around everything, what God commanded us to do. And so here... We didn't even do it, and we weren't able to bear it. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. Uh, we shall be saved even as they. Do you see the twist? Not that they'll be saved as us. Peter, Jewish, this apostle saying, we can be saved just like they are. Do you understand? They're witnessing something with these Gentile believers that have a, a freedom. They have a grace they, they don't have anything else. Now, I'm, I am, uh, the more that I've been a Christian and the more that I've been a pastor and have been counseling people, praise God, I thank you, Jesus, that I was never in a denomination, that I was never churched. Praise, thank you, Jesus, that I grew up in a cult that I thought I was my own God because I have no church trappings whatsoever, Right? Some of you were around 20 years ago when I did that special Easter message and I showed up in the rabbit suit. I didn't learn that in any church. I thought it would go off better than it did to tell you there was no Easter bunny there and I gave you a real message, but I did wear a special suit and gave a special message. No one's ever asked for that again. You brought your family, your friends. And then what does Eric do? He puts on a Christmas play with all the kids and then shows up at Santa Claus and Santa Claus bows at the feet of Jesus. Well, I don't know what church you grew up because you were... But, that's nothing to church. That's the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. So let me ask you for the church, for the people who've grown up in church, even in Calvary Chapel, what tradition, what nonsense are you bringing here? Now listen, Saturday, vertical endeavors. Listen, my friends who pastor out on the West Coast and up in the Yosemite and up in Oregon, they actually go to real rocks and do rock climbing. We have to go to vertical endeavors and go indoor rock climbing or fake rock climbing. They can do all these things. Listen, you, we can't do something that's done somewhere else here. I don't, think, I don't think we can go to a pastor's conference and say, hey, we have a grain silo repelling ministry. Everyone on the East Coast and West Coast is like, well, we're not going to copy that. We're not going to do that. We have cow cow tipping for Jesus. We have, you know, cow pie patty con throwing contests and, and we can't pass it off because the East Coasters and the West Coasters, they would do it with wet cow patties. We wait till they dry. So, yeah, they wouldn't figure the whole thing out. And so listen, we do what's here for you and I. So are we putting barriers and things upon people that we do for others? 
We say, hey, you should do this, you should do that. And the question is, well, are you doing it? We're just going to emulate and imitate those that are around us. But if you're not doing that, how can we say that to others? It says they put no difference in them. No yoke. This is Peter. Peter was prejudiced, by the way. Peter was bigoted. And it took till Cornelius, it took seven to ten years after the, the ascension of Jesus Christ that he goes and Peter has the all means all. And he goes back and he goes, all means all. See, that's the thing. You're going to grow in your relationship with God. You're going to grow to a tighter relationship with him, and God's going to show you some sin in your life. And you're going to go, oh, I've been doing that for the last 10 years. You're right, Peter. Now the choice is, do I cover it up? Do I get embarrassed? Or do I go, hey, we missed the mark the whole time? And that's what Peter did. He goes, listen, we missed the mark. Gentiles are supposed to be getting saved. We're supposed to be doing this. In fact, remember what they did several years earlier? Saul shows up and goes, I'm saved now, and I'm called to the Gentiles. Impossible. You should probably go away. And it's Barnabas, seven to ten years later, who goes and finds him and says, hey, it's happening up in Antioch. Everything that you talked to us about, it's all happening here. That's why I tell us that I need new conspiracy theories, right? Because all my other ones have come true, so I need some new ones. Listen, he tells us here in verse 11, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus we shall be saved even as they are. You see, the temple's going to be destroyed in 70 AD. There'll be no more Judaism. And there is no more Judaism to this day. There is no temple. There is no sacrifice. It's over. It's done. What's practicing right now is just man-made tradition. They've taken what they thought that could happen, and they, and they did, but there is no Judaism. There is no Mount Sinai Judaism. There is no law. There isn't a, it's just now Christ has come and has fulfilled the law, and now we, have a, we can do more. And so here, that we can be saved as they are. Then all the multitude kept silent, kept silence, and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And when they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. James, this is the actual brother of Jesus. James and the one who wrote Jude, those are the brothers of Jesus. There's four Jameses here in the New Testament. One had already been martyred. And so here, this is James, hearken unto me. So it isn't really Peter who's really the head of the Jerusalem church, even though Peter had been with Jesus all along there. But now James has risen. And Simeon hath declared how God at the first did what, now they're quoting scripture here. This goes all the way back. That Simeon, remember when Hannah came and presented her son? And remember when, when Mary came there, he says, treasure in your heart, all these things, he says, and, and he goes there at the steps, and he says, now I, my, I, now I can go in peace, for my eyes have beheld the salvation of the Lord with Jesus being there. Listen, he says here that how that Simeon did visit the Gentiles to take not of them, of it for a people, for his name, and, and to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, <laughs> After this, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. The temple's in existence as James is talking about this. The temple is in existence. That's why Peter can say, hey, we can be saved as they are. It's already being told here that they're going to be dispersed. And so here, thereof, and then I will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom, they, uh, upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, which doeth all these things. 
Know unto God, uh, known unto God all his words and his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore, my sentence is this, that we trouble not them which <laughs> from the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from the things strangled from the blood. These are requests. These aren't commands, by the way. These could be offense to Jews and stuff. So listen, we're just asking you, hey, so we can all get along. It, it's what we do here in the Seventh-day Adventist church that we rent. They're our hosts. For whatever reason, they keep to Leviticus 11. They keep to the kosher law. So there's no pork. There's no shellfish. There's no uh, horse meat like at Ikea. Uh, there's none of the... Uh, remember that whole controversy there? Their Swedish meatballs were had a little ingredients there. but uh, uh, So we, none of that. No hare, no rabbit, no osprey, no vultures, no, no eagles, none of that. And we do that out of respect for them because this is their house. This is what they ask. And they're our hosts. I'm not going to go and preach to them and say, you, should, you can be free and all that. But, and when I go and I take some of the Seventh-day Adventist leadership out or those missionaries who come in the summers, I take them out to the, the vegan place, not just the vegetarian, but the vegan place. Jay Selby's on the corner of Selby and, and uh, Victoria there. The desserts are amazing. Can't believe they're vegan, but okay. But, and, and just to bless them and honor them, that's their thing. And so here, and the Seventh-day Adventists, what do they do? They allow us to have coffee here. They look at us as the weaker brethren, having eating coffee, because that was the deal breaker. We can go without bacon for a few hours, but we got to have coffee on Sunday. And they're like, really? I go, we're weak. Does anyone agree with me on that one? We're weak. We just, we need coffee. We need coffee. All right? Some of you only went to AA because they got really good coffee there, right? You weren't a drunk. But listen, we, we, and I said, but okay, we'll look at you as the weaker brethren because you, you don't eat that tasty, tasty pork. But, and we laugh and we joke, but that's the, the respect that we have. Okay, so I don't want to be offensive. That's all they're asking here. This is all. This is, so this is, this is this application here. And from things strangled with blood, verse 21, for Moses of old time hath in uh, every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Then pleased it the apostles and the elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surname uh, Barsabbas, and Silas, the chief of them among the, the brethren. And when they wrote letters by them after this manner, the apostles and the elders and the brethren uh, send greeting unto the brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. For as much as we have heard, this is their letter, for as much as says that we have, have heard uh, that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words subverting your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. See, they took it upon themselves. You just go back to the source. Never said that, never did that, but you like, ooh, ah, oh, you're from the Jerusalem church, so you must be, have the insider. It seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's one of the things. When people bring me their doctrine, their pie charts, and their graphs, what persecution have you gone through for this little doctrine that you're holding up? 
How have you hazarded your life? What have you laid on the line for this doctrine? And you'll find this, ask this question. You'll find that nothing. It's cost them nothing. And so here, he says, they've hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you hazarded your life for a doctrine? For a superstition? For a thing? No, nothing. We have sent there for Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you should abstain from meats offered to idols, good advice, and from blood, from the things strangled, and from fornication from which ye keep yourselves, if ye shall do well, farewell. Pretty simple. Oh, by the way, this predates the law. If you go back to, to Genesis, Abraham was given the very same things before the law was ever given. And so here, so when there was the dismiss, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. And, and Judas and Silas, being prophets, also themselves exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. And they that the, tarried there in a space, they were let go in peace. So the guy stayed there for a while. And the brethren, uh, and then they returned the brethren returned to the apostles. Never, notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. And Paul and Barnabas had continued in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. So Silas sees what, what goes on there. And Silas sees what's happening there. And again, we'll get into the book of Romans where Paul even develops this even more. But again, they, some 13 years later, people come up and say, and again, how was it? It was the Pharisees. The Pharisees who, who are still going to the temple, who are still doing Pharisaical things, who still like their titles of being a Pharisee, who are still saying you got to keep circumcised, you got to keep the law, you got to do this, and, and Jesus. It's, it's not Jesus and. It's just Jesus, period, and follow him. But when people give you some supposed insider secret to the deeper truths of God, it's called the Bible, folks. I find the Bible's the best commentary on the Bible. You just read it, and you do those things. And if you ever have a problem, someone says, well, Chick said, or I believe this happened, or I, I woke up in the middle of a dream one day and I, and I felt God saying this is okay, match it up with the word of God. And what does it say? That's why we're told in 1 John to test the spirits to see if they are from God or not. And so you need to test those things. That's, so that's one of my first questions. One, I got a gut check about this too. This quirky little doctrine, how have you hazarded your life for it? What? How has this cost you anything doing this? Because here's the thing, when people have the quirky little doctrines or things or whatever, and when they're tested, they give up on them. They give up on them. They're like, oh, oh that's okay, I'm, I'm not beholden to that. Not, that's good. But this Jesus, this relationship that we have that makes us sure that we'll go to heaven when we die. Don't let anyone, and, and then I don't think there's anyone here. There has been in the past. People have invited people, hey, come over to homes. We're going to teach you things Pastor Chick doesn't talk about or teach. And we're going to get, oh, ooh. And they just go for immature, illiterate, or very young believers. And they're gathering, just as Paul says, they're going to gather people 
unto themselves. They go with their own disciples. They, they need to have applause. They need to have attention. And, and, and they're, and they're going to do these things. And I've, I've, I've shown up like, what are, you, what are you teaching here? What are you trying to show them here? And, it, and they do those things. Don't, don't, don't be that. If that's you, repent and let's just, let's just get on board. And if you can't, then why don't you go to fellowship with a church that it's the same way being you guys can all stay together. Why do you feel like you need to come here and change what we're doing? Are we doing sin? Is it wrong? Are we sinning against God, against one another? No. If, if you find out that we are, then, then show me. But if you've got to pull out your pie charts and graphs and charts to tell me we're not saying, we're not pronouncing the name of Jesus properly, we've, you know, we've had, we had someone actually leave this church because the way that we worship, it's too much slang in the worship. And we don't pronounce the words, we don't enunciate the words properly enough, and God is offended by that. Uh, not kidding. Guy's telling me into my face. I'm saying, do it this way. It's, I love your grace, I love your mercy, but you know I love your presence most of all. We say, but you know. You're going to leave for but you know. Well, my, my advice to you is get your but you know out of here. Don't let your butt you know hit you on uh, the door, hit you on the butt you know on the way out. They're like, what? You're making fun of me? Yes, I am. We're not enunciating clearly. We're not pronouncing those things. So how, I'm just telling you, I've been worshiping with these folks and I just want to let you know, I just got to believe God hears us in perfect pitch and tone. Not what you hear if you sit around me. If you notice the way Kimberly and I, we sit up front so we're not a distraction, no one distracts us. And I'm usually singing that way, so I'm bothering Zoe. <laughs> Kimberly, sometimes, you know when I'm really in the spirit because she's like this, she puts a finger in her ear. And then I like, oh, turn over to Zoe. And Zoe just, she's in her own little zone right there. But sometimes I'm just singing and sometimes I see Zoe wince like that. And, Sheila, I see you. I see you. Thank you for your grace. I got to believe that God hears on perfect pitch and tone. Yeah. All right? You should leave a warning for the next person, sister, next service that I'll be up there. Okay. So, Lord Jesus, may we just be that of those who just want to follow you, Jesus, that all means all, and we want to surrender all to you. So thank you, Lord, for today. And we just ask your anointing upon us, that God, that we could apply and live out the scriptures that we've seen already applied and lived out before us. And we just... We just want to be like you, Jesus. So, Lord, may we just get rid of all the distractions and the things that would get in the way of that relationship. And we put no other burdens upon others that, Lord, we can't even keep. So, Lord Jesus, just do that work in Jesus' name. Amen.